fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about vaccines again for the millionth time with my friend Vieto. Fuck, it's a... I should have known. <laughs> I should have known. Yeah. How are you, Vieto? I am <sighs> mm, okay. Um, still not feeling wonderful, um, and... Uh, because I am recovering from COVID, and then also I had to go in and cover at my work today because another coworker has COVID, and another three were off for other various health things. So, woohoo! Love to live in 2021. 2022. How are you? Yeah, 2022. <laughs> it, it has been a time. I mean, I, uh, the only thing stressful for me today is going grocery shopping. Uh, I do it every Tuesday. And there was a person in the store today, which I'm pretty sure they had uh, Tourette's. So I don't want to, like, shame them too much. But they had their mask over their chin. So, like, their mouth fully exposed and their nose fully exposed. And the whole time they were walking through the store, they were, like, whooping. Which is, like, a strong... Like, I realize it could be because of their Tourette's. But that's, like, a large exhalation of air. And they kept walking yeah. past me. And I was just, like... Please don't have COVID. <laughs> I do not have yeah. an N95. No, that is also what working retail is like <laughs> every day. So, yeah, we've, we've been gone for, for a while, uh, in part because uh, schooling and COVID and all the, the wildness that is happening. But uh, this is our triumphant return, I guess. <laughs> we triumphant, <just> <laughs> that's optimistic. Part of it was the editing was just taking a lot of time. And so we took the break over the winter time to sort of like figure out how to do this in a way in which it'll reduce the amount of time that we're editing. So this is our attempt at that. There's going to be fewer minor edits and hopefully we'll be able to play the clips in a way that I don't have to find them and input them the way that I was doing it before. So hopefully this will be a test. It'll run smoothly, and then uh, everything will be better. <laughs> and then we don't have to wait a long time. So, like, the nice thing about this, too, is, like, I can record the episode and, like, post it right away. The other thing that is nice about this is we're actually going to be recording it kind of like how we record our live streams. And in that sense, we'll have a video of the podcast. So one thing that we're going to do uh, to encourage people to go uh, donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash imperial news, is we will be releasing <laughs> releasing only for our patrons a video version of the podcast. Now, there won't be like laser shows or other uh, fun things, although there will be some subtle visual elements that Vienna is going to be surprised by in a few minutes. But uh, Wonderful. <laughs> If that interests you at all, you can go and uh, donate to our Patreon at any level, and you will have access to the video version of the podcast. Otherwise, it, the podcast's audio will be available as it normally is. You'll also get to see me often rolling my eyes or just looking generally exhausted with everything that's going on, <laughs> um, which I think is about like half of what I contribute to this podcast. So like... You know, you are missing out by just getting the audio-only version. 
there will be some like visual empathy by seeing others go through it as well, you know? <laughs> yes. The other thing that I want to say just up front is we are going to discontinue for now the Imperial Roundup segment. And uh, I don't know if that's official yet or what, but we're going to try it out just to see if we can uh, reduce the time of this thing and try to... The thing is, I have to learn to be a better self-editor so that these don't go on for two hours and they're also interesting. So I'm like trying new things out to at least uh, self-edit in a way that that makes the experience of the show a little bit better. So we're going to try with that. Uh, If we bring it back, we bring it back. If not... We don't. So uh, let us know your thoughts after listening to it. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the new product. Also, just because we should be releasing this the day we rec- or the, the night we record it, we are going to be appearing on the Big Shiny Takes Twitch stream on Thursday, which I can't remember the, the day of the week it is. What day is it today? <laughs> Two uh, days today ago. is Tuesday. The what, though? That's the... (laughs) Tuesday, January 11th, and we are appearing on Big Shiny Takes Thursday, January 13th of the Year of Christ Our Lord and Savior 2022. Yes, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if uh, you want to see us, go watch uh, a debate. I guess we're watching some kind of debate with them. I don't know. That's what it's been framed to us. Sure. If you want to go see that, come join us on the, the stream then. Uh, But otherwise, we're going to jump right to it. This is uh, not the Imperial Roundup. This is the main portion of the show, although the song remains the same. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. Haven't heard that tune in a couple months. <laughs> it has to say been. the least. <laughs> it has been a while. So this is the week of January 3rd to January 7th. We just decided to start right from the beginning of the year. And this week, as I already said, sort of up front, it's mostly anti-vaccine and COVID denial bullshit. This is this is kind of the thing. But what I've decided to do. So as not to bore the listener with talking points they've probably heard a million times is I've tried to settle on the (laughs) like newer points or like points that you might not have heard uh, that at least involve a little bit more of of digging on my part, Uh, part because that will make it a little bit more interesting for me having to look into this thing, because there's only so much of the like... uh, masks aren't effective let's listen to dr fauci thing over and over again it it just you know it's boring i could just be like well guess what ezra masks in fact do work (laughs) surprise surprise but to get into that january 3rd we get a deluge of the talking points of that we've heard over and over again so just as a list of them we get uh vaccines don't stop people from getting uh the virus so therefore, they're not effective and we don't need to use them. Uh, we get Omicron might be more virulent, but it's almost like the common cold. So therefore, why bother? But here's the thing. They've been saying that about the virus anyways since it started. But it's also the scary, deadly China virus. Don't forget. True. <laughs> it's scary, but also harmless. We get uh, masks don't work. 
followed by endless clips of Dr. Fauci going back and forth on the issue of masks. We get masks are obedience training, because apparently once you accept masks, you could accept anything. <laughs> I, I, I love that idea, because it's like, masks are in some ways, like, the least impediment. You, you know what I mean? Like, you have to do... I wouldn't go right from, like, masks to, like, genocide or whatever he's implying here, you know? I feel like yeah. there's, there's going to be a few more intermediary steps. We also get, if you have to be given four vaccines, and he's referring to, I guess, in Israel, they've been giving an additional vaccine. I think so, yeah. So he's like, if you've been given four vaccines and you can still get sick, then it isn't technically a vaccine. And I have to say, it still is technically a vaccine because vaccines decrease the rate in which you can get infected and also decrease the severity of getting the virus. They are still vaccines if they do that, no matter what Ezra wants to tell you. Yep, that is how vaccines work. <laughs> so those are the, the anti-vaccine talking points out of the way. I guess he had to start the new year with like reiterating them for some reason, so... We get that. New year, new Ezra. He had to remind himself. <laughs> Ezra then complains about the rich surviving during the pandemic, and he points to AOC in Florida. Have you seen this story? A little bit. Like, she went to Florida and didn't wear a mask and got COVID. So this was before the uh, announcement that she got COVID, but he's just pointing out that she went to Florida, and he uses this to then say that, like, Almost like how dare AOC go to Florida and hang out when New York is in lockdown. But New York is not in lockdown. <laughs> I don't think the U.S. has done a lockdown period. Like, Not at all. I mean, like, they, they might have some of them where, like, uh, you know, like some schools, like, have shut down here and there, but usually because of teacher shortages and stuff like this. But otherwise, uh, they haven't locked down at all. So... Yeah, like New York reintroduced the mask mandate, and I think that's kind of it. <laughs> that's their big, like, oh, we got it. I, like, you, you mentioned this, and I'm, I'm always in this, like, weird spot now, because we do have some American listeners, uh, even who watch our Twitch stream or, like, hang out on our Twitch streams, and it's like, I complain all the time about what's happening in Canada, and it's like, America is just doing nothing. And uh, full sympathy with everyone who has to live through that. It sounds terrifying. Speaking of terrifying, <laughs> Ezra then plays uh, this clip of Robert Malone, who was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And we briefly talked about this on stream, so I, I know, Vienno, you'll be familiar with the, the concept of Robert Malone, but yes. we are going to listen to Robert Malone talk as he mentions this thing called... Uh, Mass formation psychosis. So if you saw that trending sure. on Twitter, this is where it comes from. So here it is. This is Ezra talking about Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA vaccine, is a skeptic of Pfizer and lockdowns. He was censored by Twitter, so he went on Joe Rogan's podcast, The Biggest in America. Here's one of the things he had to say. From basically European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. 
you know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. So, <laughs> before mass formation psychosis is when all the kids are on their phones. <laughs> and, and somehow that's like similar to what happened to the Holocaust. Like, I don't. It is amazing how many people just like, yeah, mass formation psychosis. I mean, you can use it to like explain anything you don't like. I mean, the, the other option is like you could just say that people realize that there actually was a global pandemic and therefore were willing to wear masks. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, I don't know, like all of it is just like, oh, wow something bad happens and people don't fully understand what's going on and they respond to by and then there's a leader or maybe a series of events and something else happens whoa things happen and other things happen in response just just like, like nazi germany yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly I, I do want to frame just like up front, because Ezra did begin this by saying that he was the inventor or creator of the mRNA vaccine. And this has probably been stated like elsewhere, so you should be able to find this. But he he can be credited with sort of like the early development of the mRNA technology all the way back in the 80s and 90s. But beyond that, he really has had no input in the modern creation of our current COVID vaccines. So it's weird that Ezra would say he, like, it, almost implying, like, he created the vaccine, which is supposed to somehow give this guy more credibility. We read on stream as well uh, an Atlantic article where he has been spending most of this pandemic after the vaccines were created, yelling at other scientists, saying they're taking all the credit away from him <laughs> uh, in relatively yeah. unhinged ways. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. This Robert Malone guy has uh, some issues. He's also a f horse farmer in Virginia. That's his, like, thing now. Which is where he's getting all that ivermectin. <laughs> yeah. 
But that is that was a joke for the <laughs> don't want don't want Joe Rogan or Robert Malone coming after me for that joke. Also, just like the idea that a dude who was at one point a laboratory like immunologist thirty years ago is a like expert on social phenomena in like mass political movements is a really interesting like yeah yeah he had a hand in creating some part of these some small part of the technology that led to mrna vaccines he knows what happened in nazi germany like yeah you know it gets really interesting. Like, there was tons of articles that I could have pulled up where people were like, I'm a psychologist, and here's why Robert Malone was wrong about mass formation psychosis. And I'm like, I didn't even care to read all of them because, like, why? You don't need to, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting that, again, Ezra, we've heard the entire clip that Ezra played on his show of Robert Malone's appearance on the Joe Rogan show. And not once did he, like, he didn't play a clip where Robert Malone was getting into the science of mRNA vaccines, which maybe he has some expertise on. But instead, we get this mass formation psychosis thing. And that's the thing that Ezra really wants his audience to hear from this supposed expert in mRNA technology. You know what I mean? Like, even, even on that level, it's a bit weird, where it's like, he's not an expert in that, so why are you using him that way as opposed to the other way you know yeah so we're going to hear the rest of this clip because ezra is now going to respond after playing the clip and this has to do with the fact that robert malone was then kicked off twitter i guess and i think it was because he said something denying the pandemic in some capacity and so he was kicked off twitter so now Ezra has a few things to say about that. I think he's right, or at least uh, I'd like to think about whether or not he's right. But I'm not allowed to because he's banned from Twitter and his videos have been banned in other places too. And when Dr. Malone used that phrase, mass formation psychosis, I'd never heard of that before. I guess a lot of other people didn't either because it became the number one search term, trending term in America. So Google literally stepped in in real time and changed their algorithm to force negative search results to be the top of their search index when people Google that as a negative towards Dr. Malone. They're forcing you to read criticisms of Dr. Malone, not to see what he had to say himself. Now, Dr. Malone might be right or he might be wrong, but the idea that some social media intern in San Francisco, I don't know, with a degree in gender studies or whatever, is in a position to censor leading scientists is shocking, but it's no longer surprising, is it? <laughs> with a degree in gender studies that's good yeah <laughs> the type of people that go into tech work in san francisco <laughs> full of gender degrees yeah like uh, yeah i i just love no comp like, sci there <laughs> it has to be the cancel culture narrative like every single time but again like ezra's saying like maybe i i really want to know what this dude has to say. And now I'm not being allowed to hear what he has to say, which is why I just played you a clip of him on Joe Rogan, which has an audience of millions of people. <laughs> but no one can hear what he has to say. Also, like, 
oh, the gender studies person from San Francisco is blocking a renowned scientist that hasn't done science in 20 or 30 years again and is just now coming out of the woodwork so that he can be crazy and harass his former colleagues and also people completely unrelated to his own work because it's somehow like it has it has the letters mrna in it and he invented that so well he played some role in it let's (laughs) yeah he played a small role equal to that of tens of others if not hundreds of other scientists type of thing like he didn't have a hand in playing creating mrna vaccines he had a hand in creating something that allowed for eventually mrna vaccines to be created like you know when you are that far down the creation process and then assuming that you are the only contributor 30 years after the fact it's like hmm maybe some other people did things no but we need and also maybe you're a crazy crank like you need to hear this person though and if we can't hear them it's got to be tech censors with their gender studies degrees (laughs) if we can't hear hear them and we can hear them yes but but it must be the gender studies san franciscoites well, I mean, since Fran- we are hearing San Franciscoans, <laughs> since we are hearing them, though, it must be because they they had weak gender studies degrees. You know, they weren't strong enough to prevent the Great Malone <laughs> from reaching through and, and getting to they us. They must have been in women or non-binary studies and not man studies. So fuck. <laughs> this is how Ezra starts uh, the new year off. We then get to the interview segment of the the January third show. And like most of Ezra's interviews, it's with his own employee. So we get an interview with uh, Adam Sues, and he's on to talk about the fact that Arthur Pulowski was arrested again. Now, throughout doing this show, I have avoided actually like addressing Arthur Pulowski and his arrests, in part because I'm like, I just don't care. <laughs> okay. Now, I am going to go through a rundown of that now, in part because Ezra here wants to say that Arthur never committed a crime. In fact, in the clip I'm going to play in a bit, he explicitly says that Arthur did not commit a crime, or that he hasn't been convicted. So I will now read to you the events since the pandemic started of all the things that Arthur Pulowski has done. So uh, here we go. Arthur was uh, first charged in April of 2020 for holding a gathering of more than 15 people without masks. December of 2020, he was fined for holding an anti-mask protest in November, which breached public health orders. In February 2021, Arthur led a rally where people marched with tiki torches, reminiscent of the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally, uh, where white nationalists walked with uh, tiki torches. In April 2021, Arthur violated health orders by holding church services without masks and violating capacity. He was later arrested for this. In May 2021, he was arrested again along with his brother. They were then charged with contempt and found guilty of contempt in June. In September 2021, Arthur was arrested again after returning to Calgary from an American tour where he spoke with Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn, Donald Trump Jr., 
uh, among many other right-wing figures, including QAnon supporters, militia groups, and other far-right figures, uh, mostly of the Christian evangelical type, including uh, homophobes, which uh, Arthur has his own past uh, with being a homophobic preacher himself. He was then uh, charged when he got back from this trip and arrested for uh, disobeying a court order by leaving the country and failing to wear a mask. In October, he received his sentence for his earlier conviction. He was fined $23,000 and uh, with that 18 months of probation. He was then ordered to obey public health orders, remain in Alberta, and whenever he spoke, he had to say it was against the expert consensus. If he was saying something that was against the expert consensus, he had to add that addendum. Now, that last part about, you know, needing to respond about the uh, expert consensus, this was suspended recently, and it's on appeal until June 2022. So that might go into effect in June, but so far he's free now to spew whatever the hell he wants. Now, the most recent arrest, which is uh, what Adam and Ezra are currently talking about, this was because Arthur violated his probation by attending an illegal gathering outside the house of a person named Jason Copping, who's Alberta's Minister of Health. So they were protesting outside this uh, minister's house, and then he was released on bail afterwards with a stipulation that he's not allowed to go near Jason while his trial is pending. <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> you will notice in my long description here that there are both uh, convictions <laughs> and violations of the law, which are, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, are violations of the law crimes? Are, those <laughs> are they illegal? <laughs> it's breaking the law illegal. <laughs> so again, Ezra ignores all of this context and instead is mad that apparently Jason Kenny has weighed in to what is happening to Arthur Pulowski. So this is... Before we play that, I do just want to comment on the fact that one of his probation orders was, you have to say you're a dumb idiot every time you say <laughs> dumb idiot things. <laughs> like... Now, that is a very... One, that that is, like, possible and legal well, is very funny. It might not be legal, which is why... Yeah, no, I don't it. think it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure that they won't be able to get him to do that. Yeah, so it's, it's... But it is funny that they tried. <laughs> they did try. And who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe we'll find out in June that it'll be upheld. And uh, he will be God. compelled <laughs> to say that this goes against the expert consensus every time he speaks. But we'll have to wait until then to find out. But yes, here is Ezra responding to Jason Kenny, responding to the fact that Arthur Pawlowski was protesting his minister's house yeah except for pastor arthur has never been charged with or convicted of any crime he was found in contempt of some health order because he kept his church open when walmart and costco were open and he doesn't have lobbyists like they do so the government picked on him and not them he's not a criminal that cop is a liar but apparently so is a premier of alberta jason kenny tweeted this yesterday he says Albertans have a right to protest peacefully. That right does not extend to trespassing private homes and harassing the families of public officials. And uh, he said as a follow-up, unfortunately, this is not the first time that fringe anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists have tried to intimidate government officials in this manner. 
I am sure that the vast majority of Albertans reject this kind of extremism. Except none of that is true. Arthur and David Pavlovsky were indeed arrested, but they were not charged with trespassing or intimidation. Uh, they didn't go on anyone's property. They didn't talk to anyone. They were on a sidewalk. They were on a public street. They were not violent. I spoke to Arthur's lawyer yesterday who said that at the bail hearing to get the brothers out of jail, neither the police nor the prosecution mentioned anything about trespassing. What's Kenny talking about? So <laughs> the funny thing is, he, he goes from the fact of saying these people have not committed a crime to focusing on Kenny's tweet, in which I will agree, what Pavlovsky did was not the definition or the legal definition of trespassing if he was just on the sidewalk protesting. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Jason Kenny said something not true. Cool. But that doesn't mean that Arthur didn't commit a crime here. Uh, by violating his probation, by being in a public gathering without masks. It is interesting that, like, Jason Kenney is so good at alienating literally everybody, though. Yeah. Like, him and Ezra used to be friends. And, like, Jason Kenney is, like, definitionally far-right type of thing. But he's alienated the far-right. He's alienated, like regular conservatives he's alienated like liberals and like of course everybody on the left already hated him type of thing but like like he just wants to be the universal outcast it seems it's very like weird there's even one moment on the show where he said uh he's like kenny used to be my friend and now he's behaving like trudeau and uh <laughs> And then he's like, I don't, I don't know what happened to my friend, and uh, I don't know who's feeding him all this information. <laughs> See, I want, I want Jason and Ezra to sit down and have a heart to heart. Yeah. I don't want them to reconcile. I want them to come out even more bitter and opposed to one another is, but like, than before. But also, I do want them to have to sit face to face and give each other COVID. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be one of those like. Uh dramatic scenes in a movie where like the couple breaks up for good or like you know they knew it was coming but this was like the final dramatic moment before the split you know yeah but then it'll also zoom in and do a like fuck what's that movie with chris rock and the water chris rock and the water <laughs> with the <laughs> The water molecules, you go inside the body, that one. Chris, this, I... Is that dude, not Chris Rock? I do. Who is the dude, you know... Sounds like inner space to me, but that's a movie from the, the inner, 80s. If he's the inspector or a detective or something. I haven't actually seen the movie, so this analogy is going to go bad no matter what, especially given its start. Um, But, you know, or, okay, so it goes into, like, a magic school bus situation, because I have seen that. Hell yeah. And, you know, zooms in really low and you see one person, like, the Delta going out and hitting, like, Jason's giving Ezra Delta, and then you zoom in and you see Omicron going from <laughs> Ezra to Jason, and it's just, like, unity. That is, you know... Unity and COVID. Now uh, we just need a film budget? <laughs> we, can, we can make this happen. So this, this is later, but Ezra then argues that... 
because Kenny made this statement, this should uh, force a mistrial. Yeah, it's tough to have respect and trust for police anymore. You know, the other day I was rereading Sir Robert Peel's Principles of Policing. And for those who don't know, uh, he was a former British prime minister. He was really where they got the phrase the bobbies from. He invented the modern approach to policing. And I can sum it up in one sentence. You police with the consent and support of the public. And every day you have to win the public over not only to support you, but they become your eyes and ears on the ground. This destroys uh, Sir Robert Peel's principles of policing. It's so gross. Um, but I think you're right. It, it goes higher than the chief. When the premier of the province telegraphs that these are guilty men who have trespassed and intimidated people, when, when the actual cops and prosecutors don't even say that, this is yeah. the premier of the province telling the justice system what to do, that ought to be cause for a mistrial. The, the weird part about this, saying that it should be cause for a mistrial, is that he was violating his probation. <laughs> like, what's the trial? He's already been convicted. It's, not... it's like, throw this case out of court. It's like, but we already convicted him. The, the, the court's done. We've moved on. God. Uh, also, the movie was Osmosis Jones, by the way. I don't, I've never even heard of that name. Okay. Well, I looked up water small movie cartoon Chris Rock, and I did get it. So I wasn't wrong in my description. It's just that I was wrong in describing it to you. Uh, well, I will, I will look out for it in case, uh, in, in order to know how we're going to shoot our movie of the Jason, Kenny, Ezra getting back together and splitting. Splitting while See, spreading. I'm, Splitting while spreading? I still, yeah. <laughs> I still kind of want it to be also kind of like a Call of Duty kill cam, where, like, you just see the moment that, like, it goes in. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Sure. You, you storyboard it. We'll, we'll figure okay, it out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have, like, the conspiracy with the yarn and everything. So Ezra then ends... Uh, the first day, again, this is our first day back from the New Year's, so it was just chock full of all this uh, silliness. But he ends his show by playing an extended uh, interview that Drea Humphreys had with somebody named Stephen Malthouse and Charles Hoffey. We talked about this actually on stream, and so I will eventually be posting uh, a clip of us responding to at least part of Drea's interview with these two people. Mm -hmm. I just want to frame right now, for those who uh, aren't going to watch that, that uh, Stephen Malthouse is a homeopath, <laughs> and Charles Hoff recommended that people go get ivermectin from feed stores, and this was at a protest he was speaking at, and then directed people to where those feed stores are that he knows would be willing to sell the ivermectin to you. So he was literally telling people to go get the horse base. These are the people that Drea is going to interview and then Ezra is going to end his show by play. It's also worth just noting because this happened recently, uh, or at least I found this out shortly before going live. I don't know. It's not fully verified. I just thought it would be interesting to state it, which is that there is this individual named Rocco Galati 
I think that's how you pronounce it. He's the lawyer of Stephen Malthouse, because again, both these doctors are fighting uh, legal cases for their stances here. <laughs> uh, very special folks, you know. And Rocco has been on Ezra's show before, and we've covered it on our episode, which is episode 44. And Rocco, interestingly enough, was like one of the only anti-vaccine people that's been on the show that promoted the sort of like Bill Gates is trying to microchip you uh, hypothesis. So if you want to hear about that, you can go back to our episode 44. But wonderful, it is rumored right now that Rocco, in fact, like, well, not in fact, very likely has COVID and is rumored to currently be in the ICU as of today. So um, just like to be funny, because uh, his name, it looks Italian and it has two C's. I think we should pronounce it Rocho. Um, Rocho Galati, I just thought, think sounds um, more entertaining. Rocho ain't no moro. <laughs> hey, I'm Rochin here. <laughs> so, Should uh, edit that out. <laughs> no, that stays. Because you have Italian <laughs> fans. We already remember when we did the Cuomo episode? I think we ruined <laughs> all goodwill with Italians on this show. <laughs> yeah, probably. Listen, we Sorry. love we love a good pizza here, all right? <laughs> There's no ill will. But uh, yes, uh, a great. Well, I mean, it's not great. Like it, it sucks that people are dying from this thing. But like, there's like an element of karma that like these assholes are the ones going around promoting anti-vaccine bullshit and anti-mask bullshit. And this guy has been doing that since the beginning of the pandemic, and now he's currently in the ICU because of it. Or at least, as from what I heard through the rumor mill, he's likely in the ICU because of it. So, fun times. We can now move on to January 4th, and this is an important day because this was uh, when, or the day after, that a person from the CBC decided they were no longer going to work for the CBC because the CBC was too woke. And this person's name is Tara Henley, and interestingly enough, Ezra begins the segment by saying, I've never heard of Tara Henley, <laughs> which kind of tells you everything you need to know about Tara Henley at this point. Yeah. Hadn't heard of her before this. I doubt I will hear anything about her after. Now, this is another thing. We read her article on stream. It really is pretty vapid, and we don't need to go over it here in too much detail i will say the weird thing is ezra tries to promote her left-wing credentials because part of her argument is that she used to be very left-wing but then when she got into the or or over the past 10 years that she's worked for the cbc she went from being the most left-wing person in the room to like the conservative in the room even though her politics have never changed is kind of her argument and Ezra then tries to promote the fact that she's a leftist by referring to some of her older material. We looked into some of her older material and it was mostly just listicles and shit like that. But he actually found an article she wrote. And it's a piece about how she's unfulfilled 
like she doesn't feel fulfilled in her life. And she frames it in terms of like how feminism sold this idea that like you're supposed to like work hard and stuff, but she she didn't get to start a family when she probably should have and stuff like this, okay? Which, oh my God. which Ezra rightly calls it an anti-feminist article, but then still proceeds to call her left wing. <laughs> Where <sighs> I listened to what he said, and like, yes, it does sound anti-feminist, and uh, she does not sound left wing. <laughs> oh my God. So that's, that's Ezra's introduction to who this Tara Henley person is. Now, he, he ends up reading most of the article. And I don't care to go over most of it here. But I did select one clip because there was one, I guess, interesting disagreement that Vienna and I had when we initially did the, the stream version of covering this article, which is that there was a point where she mentions uh, it, was, it was about America and how like uh, the American CRT Ivy League shit has now come to Canada. And so we were yeah. curious to see how Ezra would deal with that. So Ezra's going to read the par the paragraph and then respond to it. It's a very brief response, but I'm curious to see what Vieno has to say after we hear it. Okay. So here we go. To work at the CBC in the current climate is to embrace cognitive dissonance and to abandon journalistic integrity. It is to sign on enthusiastically to a radical political agenda that originated on Ivy League campuses in the United States and spread through American social media platforms that monetize outrage and stoke societal divisions. It is to pretend that the woke worldview is near universal, even if it is far from popular with those you know and speak to and interview and read. Hey, don't blame America, sister. Political correctness is just as much a Canadian problem as it is in America. Oh my God. <laughs> But he, so he picked up on it too, though. Yes. Well, like, I mean, be, I remember like part of the disagreement was the, the well, it's, it wasn't so much a disagreement, but it was like trying to figure out what she was doing with this part of the writing. And I guess some of the uh, theories was that she was trying to cr like create like a Canadian nationalism. And it's interesting to me because like Ezra is sort of like a nationalist. But then he, he's also, like, a weird, like, American nationalist, too, like, I guess? Yeah, like, I think he's a, like, United North America type of dude. Whereas, like, I think that she was trying to appeal to the kind of, like, almost older school, where it's, like, talking about, like, American culture, cultural, like, encroachment upon Canada and, like, the fears of that, like, the 1812 style nationalism type of thing. I love how, like, blunt his response, though, is like, don't be mean to America. <laughs> yeah. USA. USA. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra, so then Ezra wonders, uh, once he's done reading the article, if, she, uh, if they should get her as a guest. And then he's like, maybe we should even get her as a contributor. And then he goes, no, we shouldn't have her as a, co a contributor because there's way too many left-leading people in media already. And then he, like, ponders it even more, and then he's like, but maybe she would be a rebel after all. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I know. And uh, begin, that... <laughs> begin the countdown. That really is their hiring practices, right? Like, they yeah. see somebody embroiled in a controversy, and they're just like, ooh, 
Hello. <laughs> I wonder if they need a job. <laughs> yeah. How do I make money off of this? Oh, so uh, oh. I guess we get to look forward to that in the future. Speaking of people who were embroiled in a controversy and then ended up as employees at the Rebel News Network, uh, the, the interview segment is with a guy named Matt Brevner, who uh, we've talked about before, I think both on the podcast and on stream. But he was a hip-hop artist who uh, worked with a homophobic street preacher, and that leaked out, and he got kicked from his label, and now works for Rebel News. So homophobe Matt Brevner has released a, a new single. It's his first single since joining Rebel News, and it's pro-pandemic. <laughs> I guess, like, the, the thrust of the song is that there's more of us who, in his words, there's more of us, the anti-vaxxers, than them, the rest of the public. That's the sort of, like, thesis of the song. And we listened to it on stream. I'm, I'm not going to play some of it here. It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's, it, at one moment, there's like a Kanye West ripoff as he's like doing auto-tune. But yeah, anyways, you can go check that out if you want to. I just wanted to pick up on one thing that he says while talking to Ezra about the song, which he goes, uh, he's like, it, so this is in regards to vaccine mandates. He says the 1% claims to speak for the 99%. And I just thought it was like super weird for him to be adopting the kind of like Bernie Sanders uh, rhetoric. <laughs> but I mean, anti-vaccine stuff. Not Bernie Sanders. Occupy, Occupy Wall Street. Wall yeah. Street. Look at Tim Pool. Look at Tim Pool. Yeah, true. You know. I mean, this does also fit into the narrative that we've hit upon several times, which is that they're always talking about the silent majority. Like, there's a silent majority of anti-vaxxers out there that if we just reach them, we'll all, like, rise up. But uh, I do not think... I think the majority position is it's not anti-vax, considering how many people have gotten vaccinated. Yeah, the silent majority of... The 80 plus percent of people that are vaccinated in Canada, like, yeah, all right. So it's like a weird attempt to at some sort of like populist uprising, you know. They just they need to be convinced that they're both correct and in the majority, and they're neither. <laughs> yeah. So then we move on to January 5th, and the entire show is dedicated with an interview, or to an interview, with someone named Brian Peckford. Have you ever heard of Brian Peckford? No, I have not. I'm going to look him up. He is the former premier of Newfoundland. <laughs> so I guess like that's a big get for Ezra. He's going to dedicate the whole show to him. Third premier of Newfoundland between 1979-1989. Full 10 years. So not only was he the former premier of Newfoundland, he was also, he is also the only living premier who signed the legislation that enshrined the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in our constitution, making it Canadian law. So that is why Ezra has him on the show to basically go over whether or not these vaccine mandates, mass mandates, etc. are constitutional. Or do they violate the charter? 
And so you're expecting going into this, this should be someone who knows better. <laughs> Something, you know, he's a, he was a premier. He's the guy who put the charter in the thing. So he does, he does hit upon the one issue. So he at least knows where to like make his attack, which as we've said on the show, the reason why I think that these mandates and regulations are allowed is because of section one of the Charter and Rights and Freedoms allows for li limitations so long as they are reasonably justified. And the existence of a global pandemic is pretty strong justifications a strong justification for Section 1 limitations in our Charter and Rights and Freedoms. So you might have the right to assemble, but because assembling will exacerbate a global pandemic, it's reasonably justified that during the pandemic we can limit your Charter rights. Now, he is aware of this, that the Charter that he enshrined <laughs> also says this, but his only response is that he's like, they have never reasonably justified them. So there. And it's like, well, isn't that something that needs to be determined in the courts there, Mr. Peckford? Just to give context to who Peckford is, um, he was the, um, he was the premier during, like, the height of the like destruction of the um cod fish stock and three years after he left office that was when the cod stocks completely collapsed and cod fishing ended until 2012. the man who destroyed the economy and livelihood of newfoundland i don't think is the one to be talking about like Fucking anything. Honestly, like, the, the only reason Ezra has Amon is because since he's the only living premier who signed it, it's like it's a in a way to like appeal to authority. Like because this yeah. guy signed it, he knows what he's talking about. And they even like at one point talk about like he he gets Peck Peckford gets really hyper focused on this like semicolon in this one sentence of the charter. And Ezra later uses that to go, look at, like, Peckford even, like, he knows where all the, like, grammatical insertions are. So they're, like, he really knows this document. <laughs> and it's, like, that's not how this works. You still have to go through a judge and figure this shit yeah. out. You know? That having been said, he did, he had taken Ottawa to court at one point over ownership of the offshore oil in Newfoundland. Uh, and he did imply that if things didn't go the way of that he wanted where they the province would have control over it, um, they might adopt a more radical stance similar to the Quebec separatists. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Newfoundland separatism. The New Newfoundland Liberation Front. Like Hell yeah. Oh my god. So, not a lot happens in this. <laughs> uh, so, and like, he just, he talks for a long time and he's an old man. I, I will say, adding to like, if you want to get in his history, do you know who he supported for uh, prime minister in the last election? Uh, Maxime Bernier. 
Maxime Bernier, <laughs> Brian Peckford. So, uh, th yeah, that should tell you all you really need to know about this guy. But his his final Holy argument. Fuck. Oh, so Wait, give me I another point. One other thing from his Wikipedia. In 2008, he was appointed chair of a federal government-appointed expert panel to review federal chronic disease policy. Yep. And he's doing this. Yep. About vaccines and lockdowns. Holy shit. Almost like these people just generally suck. <laughs> and yeah. done harm to our country for many years. His, his final argument after this whole thing is he goes section one, which is the limitations part of the Charter and Rights and Freedoms. He says that it was put in the Charter uh, because it's for when nations are in peril, like during a war. And so he goes, we're currently not in peril, so therefore section one does not apply. And I just want to say this is like a weird argument in part because... I could argue that we're in peril right now. Like, that doesn't seem too much of a, a stretch. We are in more peril now than we were in fucking World War II. Because we had to send people to different countries to die in that one. Yes. They're dying at home this time. That didn't happen. Like. But even, even that aside, say we're not in peril. There's been many Section 1 cases that have been ruled on things that do not involve war or peril, like uh, having to do with like hate speech legislation, for example, right? When is it reasonable to restrict somebody's right to speak? What does that have to do with a nation being in peril? Like these cases, and it's like, these cases have been brought ever since the charter was implemented. So it's like, again, this guy is supposed to know better because he's the one who signed this document into law. Yet clearly, just likes the smell of his own farts, really, I think is what's going on here. Yep, that sounds about right. Now, I picked this clip because I think that you would appreciate it. S something, Ezra said something weird in this interview. And then I took note of it. And then it came up again the next day. And so I've now, I've clipped both of the incidences in which he said this. But I first want to ask you a question before we play each clip. And the question is, let's say that you could talk about a group of people or like an ethnicity of having like an essential character. I already realize this is a faulty premise. I don't think people have like essential characters. But okay. Ezra's trying to frame and go, like, let's try to analyze the French essential character. Would you consider it to be more aligned with sort of like a libertarian uh, type society, or would you frame the essential French character as authoritarian? Hmm. Let's just think about the history of France for a second. And the relation to like things such as mm, Revolt, uprising, protest, revolution, uh, other such things. Are they ready to throw down is the real <laughs> question here. So, so do you want to see how Ezra weighs in on it? So this, this is Ezra's... Ezra does it twice. So I, I think I'm going to play both uh, clips in succession here. So here's Ezra's okay. first take on it. 
what the Quebec view was about civil liberties, because I mean, again, Quebec and its French history, uh, I can see both sides. I can see a love for civil liberties that goes back centuries, but I can also yeah. see sort of an authoritarian, you know, Napoleon, you know, there's a bit of a Gaullist uh, uh, yes, uh, yes. character there. Well, the so... <laughs> Okay, so that's then he. I I just took note of that. I was like, okay, that's a little bit weird. That's you know, sure. and then I was Duplicy, like, you know, yeah, okay. So then he he does it again. I mean, I want to know will Quebecers accept this because I think Quebec has a real civil liberties tradition, but it also there's an authoritarian side to French history. You know, Napoleon, and you know, there's some strong leaders with a strong fist. And I hope that the civil libertarian instincts of that province rise up. Ezra, when did the Seven Years' War end? Could you like this is this is what's so like bizarre to me is like needing to go all the way back to like the Napoleonic era to like claim that a complete ethnicity is authoritarian. <laughs> but also like talking about an ethnicity being like white Quebecois people and then going to like a completely different country a different nation a different people and being like ah see they did this thing it's it's also it's like you you could go back like because like you hit upon like the revolt and stuff like this notice like Ezra doesn't bring up the like the French Revolution uh like <laughs> it's always Napoleon also... and authoritarianism but yeah, also literally liberty. nothing, nothing that takes place in Quebec. Quebec, yeah, like uh, the like them trying to separate would, but also like uh, compare them to the rest of the conservative like values of the rest of the country. Also, talk about the Duplessis era when they had the same premier for like thirty fucking years, and he was like Catholic fascist. Yeah, <laughs> fair. That's right there. That's very basic Quebecois history. That literally spawned a thing called the Quiet Revolution, which is why they're so secularist now. Like, and that ended in the 60s. It's, it's just weird to, like, you could do this with any ethnicity, though. Like, even, even if you wanted to choose, like, English to be like, there were the people who defenestrated the royalty, but there was also the people that were the royalty that still exist. <laughs> like... <laughs> Whoa. Are you saying that there are different classes, Jody? <laughs> Sounds kind of Marxist to me. I just, I don't. He says, like, I wanted to highlight those clips because he says it as if he, like, he hit upon something. Like, Ezra figured it out. You know what I mean? He, like, he's been reading history and he sort of senses, like, the French people are torn. They have both this, like, libertarian part of them and the authoritarian part, right? And yeah, it's... yeah. He, he took out his calipers. He got a Quebecois dude and he just was like, <laughs> oh, oh, your skull. Oh, look. This cranial ridge points to authoritarianism, <laughs> but this one, it points to revolution. How strange. Yeah. The uh, essential characteristics of France. It was very weird. I just, I felt, yeah. that, <laughs> I felt it was worth acknowledging. <laughs> I don't have much to add to that. Just like, okay, Ezra, all right. You did it.
So we, we've now ended on the final day. Well, it, technically it's not the final day, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. But we're on January 6th, which is the full final day that we have. And this one is going to take me... It, there's going to be a little bit more exegesis on this because uh, Ezra is saying some things that are factually not true, but we'll, we'll get through that. So Ezra had a tweet that went viral over the uh, Christmas break. And it was a tweet about a Danish study which claims to show that vaccines make more or, or make people more likely to get infected. Uh, so it shows that people who receive the vaccine are more likely to be infected than those who are unvaccinated. So already you're probably like, that doesn't sound correct. And we'll get to it. OK, so what this study did was it compared the vaccinated. And so this is people who received two doses and it compared them to the unvaccinated over a period of time, and it tracked whether they got Delta or Omicron. What this study found was that while the vaccine waned over time for both variants, so say, uh, you know, 10 days after you got the vaccine, you'll have some robust immunity, but as like the days go on, it's less effective over time, okay? So that happens for both variants. However, the vaccines were less effective against Omicron as compared to Delta over time. So as time goes, Delta still decreases, but like Omicron decreases by a lot. However, there was a weird result, which was picked up by the anti-vaxxers, which is what Ezra retweets, which is that it showed in the final days of the study, that sort of like last period, so the further out from people getting the vaccine, it showed that there was like a negative effect of getting the vaccine, which suggested to a lot of people that that must mean uh, it somehow makes you more likely to get infected with Omicron if you get vaccinated. Okay? So that's, that's what the study showed just bare bones. I will go into it in a bit more detail, but uh, a weird result, right? Sure. So I'm now going to uh, play a clip of Ezra, who is talking about the fact that the media has now fact-checked his tweet. So he put out this tweet, it went viral, now he's getting fact-checked by the mainstream media. So we're going to hear the fact-checked to his tweet. And here's the headline, misleading posts claim study shows vaccines increase Omicron infection risk. And apparently it was a joint investigation by reporters around the world. You can see the byline AFP Brazil, AFP Canada. Um, so here's what they said in the story. A tweet shared tens of thousands of times claims a study found that mRNA COVID-19 vaccines increase the chances of infection with the Omicron variant. But experts said the shots do not increase the risk of infection. And the authors of the Danish study claim said the claim misinterpreted the data, overlooking key factors including more frequent testing and more potential exposure among the vaccinated, which would account for the higher reported infection rate in that group. All right, so you, you can see a question already. Is this supposed fact check saying that the study did not actually say that vaccines increase the risk of infection? So that's, are they saying that, that the studies didn't say it? Or are they saying that um, the vaccines did increase the risk of infection in this study, 
but they have some explanations for why that happened. I, I don't think you can really make both arguments at once. I think you have to choose them. Uh, I, think, I think you can make the second argument. Okay, you don't like the facts. You don't like what the study showed. Uh, so you can try and explain it away. I mean, good luck with that. But um, I took you through the study in detail two weeks ago, and I showed you a, a clip again today from that. The study said what it said, and I just quoted it. So the study said what it said, and he just quoted it, okay? The, <laughs> notice <laughs> he frames sure. this in terms of explaining it away, but we're going to get to, like, why what the scientists are suggesting here is not quite explaining it away, right? So Ezra does mention two caveats, but he, he doesn't really expand on them. So these were a part of the, the fact checked that he just uh, read there. Uh, and this was that, uh, it, it was that uh, the, vaccine, the vaccinated had more frequent tests done and were more likely to be exposed to the virus. So those were like the two things that he just mentioned there. And this makes more sense when you consider that this study was conducted when Omicron was first entering Denmark. So leaving that out kind of like skews the interpretation of the data here, okay? Because this means that the people more likely to be exposed to Omicron were those who could travel from Denmark, and those who could travel uh, were both vaccinated and had to be tested leaving and re-entering the country. So this means that the comparison between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated is a biased comparison. And why it would seem like being vaccinated made you more likely to be infected when it is more likely that you were uh, the first to be exposed to Omicron and therefore more likely to be infected by it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Ezra is describing that as explaining the data away. Because if you just look at the data, it shows you that getting the vaccine increases the likelihood of you being infected. When the scientists themselves, in their study, in the discussion section of their study, they even say this, where it's like, these results are clearly biased because the people who are more likely to be exposed to Omicron are those who are traveling or already vaccinated. Oh, you mean the scientists did science things? <laughs> like basic scientific practice and like, you know, the responsibilities that you have when writing a report? Whoa. So as so <laughs> take a high school fucking biology class or something. Like No, why why trust the scientists when you have Ezra here to explain explain their own study back to them and say, "Look, it's I'm just reading the data neutrally." <laughs> I'm Ezra. True. So of course Ezra You know, he's not He's not recognizing any biases. He's not his pure objectivity here. So not only so he's he's already said that they're explaining away the data. He further suggests that the author of the study is terrified and that uh, these caveats to the data are, in fact, unscientific. And so I'm going to play that clip now. It begins with them, I think referring to the actual author of the study or one of the authors who's responding to these uh, fact checkers. Valentina Branth offered three explanations for why the vaccine effectiveness estimate in the study could be negative. The first was that in many places, including Denmark, vaccinated individuals are tested more frequently than unvaccinated individuals. 
causing the incidence rate to be higher. The second was that Denmark's quick identification of Omicron cases allowed the Nordic country to detect the first infected individuals who had traveled abroad and were largely vaccinated. Thirdly, Valentina Branth said that the study's estimation of vaccine effectiveness is based on the assumption that vaccinated and unvaccinated people are taking similar precautions against COVID-19. In reality, he said, people in Denmark who are unvaccinated may take further precautions and engage in fewer risky activities than those who have received the shots, leading vaccine effectiveness to be underestimated. Okay, so this one terrified researcher who was being held to account by AFP, I think he did something really odd, really unscientific, in my opinion, on the spot to stop AFP and the Facebook from, from demonizing him, he tried to demonize his own study. He, he couldn't, in good conscience, say that the study was fake or inaccurate or flawed. I mean, he, he ran the thing. Remember, he was one of seven researchers. They were proud enough of their work to publish it. So he couldn't deny it. So he just started freestyling, coming up with... Um, possible reasons why maybe his study could be the way it is. He, he didn't actually say his study was flawed or wrong. He just tried to come up with, you know, a brainstorm really about why people should forget he ever doubted Big Pharma. Um, more vaxxed people were tested than unvaxxed. Uh, maybe it was travelers who were detected, whatever that has to do with vaccine effectiveness. I don't know. Unvaxxed people are more careful. Um, but those are opinions. Those are, those are guesses, really. Uh, he didn't cite a study or any research. The obvious reason this is uh, silly is uh, that the caveats were, in fact, in the original study. So this isn't the author trying to, like, backtrack and, like, cover something up or, like, reacting because he's terrified. They wrote it in the discussion section of the original study, okay? Scientists mm -hmm. always try to explain what bias might exist in their data. So, this is actually a part of science, you know? <laughs> oh, you mean the scientist was doing science? <laughs> yes, in fact, you and know. And Ezra wasn't? Yeah, I mean, like, almost every study would list the limitations and how uh, their data is biased. Because, like, you're not, you're, you're testing people in the real world, which means that, like, uh, for, for as we just said, if if it's more likely that the vaccinated people are going to get Omicron because they're going to be the first that come into contact with the virus, then that is a fact about the world that's going to skew that data. You need to take that into account and acknowledge that you did not control for that third variable that could alter the results of like your research. So the fact that they listed that is uh, very important. I also wanted to mention that Ezra is also missing that this is a preprint study. So it hasn't even been peer reviewed yet. Furthermore, no other study on the effectiveness of the vaccine against Omicron has similar results to the Danish study, thus making the bias explanation here more likely. It also doesn't make sense with what we know about vaccine technology since there's no reason to expect that vaccines increase the infectivity of uh, the virus or decreases your immune system to allow you to become more infected or like uh, uh, more capable of being infected by the virus. 
the the funny thing is Ezra actually addresses that last point about the uh, uh, because they read another person criticizing the tweet that said that like what we know about vaccines this like data wouldn't make sense and he Ezra's response to this again is the they're just trying to explain away the data but scientists are critical of many studies that lack an explanation of a causal mechanism so I came up with an example but this it's a similar like uh, uh, reasoning style that would apply to any research so if a medium you know, someone who can uh, talk to the dead, is in a room of grieving widows and claims he can channel their dead relatives and asks uh, if the letter M means anything. So you've seen these things where it's like, I, I sense, I'm feeling the letter M. Does this mean anything to anyone? <laughs> True. And some people will in fact stand up and go, yes, oh, like I had my uncle Michael passed away recently or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that someone would stand up and be like, oh, yes, this means something, that, that does not mean that the data shows that the person is actually talking to the dead. Any scientist who knows better would point out that the letter M is a very common initial. Mike, for example, a very common male name. Mm. And therefore, the data is, in fact, biased. It is more likely that the medium used M to increase the statistical likelihood of getting a hit from the audience than they are actually talking to dead people. So scientists use their prior knowledge of vaccines and ask, does this fit with our prior knowledge of vaccines, or is there other explanations that would explain the data? Ezra, of course, reads this as explaining away the data, because Ezra is, in fact, and I did fact check this, Ezra's not a scientist. <laughs> See, I, I personally think that you could uh, come up with an example that didn't shit on the wonderful industry of mediums <laughs> talking to the dead, which they really do. This um, is uh, Vieto it's confirming. An, it's the backbone <laughs> of the Ontario economy. And, you know, like... The eating of dead labor is what keeps capital living. <laughs> this and is, I don't uh, think you should be shitting on mediums for that. Vienna continuing their dowsing is real arc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dowsing and mediums, both real in the Vienna category. Uh, point being, causal <clears throat> mechanisms are important to science, and Ezra should shut the fuck up. It's kind of, it's kind of what I'm getting at here. Listen, our longest-serving Prime Minister, William Lyon Mackenzie King, frequently talked to his dead mother through the use of multiple mediums. He did this while we fought World War II. And guess what, Jody? Guess what we did in World War II? We won. <laughs> Checkmate. I don't know. <laughs> now, would you take that away from our great Canadian heroes? <laughs> You picked a topic that I can talk about. <laughs> that is incredible that you know that, actually. Uh, oh, there's actually, like, like it's really well documented. Like, because he talked about talking to his mediums all the time. Like, he had one that lived in his house while he was prime minister. He, like, publicly would go check up on his medium before making policy decisions. And this dude was prime minister for like 30 years uh, 22 years i think in total so like 
through the depression end of end of world war one through the depression and then through world war two so does this mean that astrology is not real because reagan who sought an astrologer did not predict that he was going to be shot by that person who was obsessed with jodie foster <laughs> did he ask though do we know if he asked fair we do we i don't yeah. know that we know <laughs> we don't we don't know what the stars decided to tell Reagan at that time. They might have been they might have been quiet because like he needed to get shot and they were just like, you know, fingers crossed it works out and then it didn't. So All right. then they're like, oh shit, we gotta be quiet again. <laughs> I'm convinced. You you sold me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> we now we, we reach the, the apex, the final segment. So Ezra again throws to Adrea Humphreys clip. So I don't know if this is going to be a common occurrence. It does extend the length of his show that I have to listen to, but he's adding additional Drea Humphreys segments to the end of his thing. And they're uh, Drea Humphreys clips where she's talking to doctors who are indeed doctors. They just also have wacky ideas. The reason why I think he's also going to continue doing this is he got an email earlier in the week from uh, an audience member who was like, we should hear more from doctors. So I think he's trying to make a, an effort here or responding to that letter uh, in some capacity by playing these clips. This time, uh, Drea is interviewing someone named Stephen Pellich. He's a UBC professor in the Department of Medicine. He has tenure, which is terrifying. Uh, he was criticized earlier in the pandemic for being wrong about masks. He said they were not effective. Uh, he was wrong about that. He's also a part of this group called the Critical Care Alliance, which has spread COVID misinfo, especially regarding ivermectin as a treatment. You might, other people who are listening might know some of these people because, for example, the leader of Critical Care Alliance has been a frequent uh, guest on the Dark Horse podcast, which is uh, Brett Weinstein and his wife, Heather Hires, uh, Haying, Heather Haying, sorry, Heather Haying's uh, yeah. podcast. Don't put I the <laughs> good name of Heather Heyer on it. Their last names had similar beginnings that I my, tricked my brain. Yeah. And we did talk about Charlottesville earlier. True. So, so, uh, so yeah, not, not a great source of information, this Critical Care Alliance. But Dre is talking to this Stephen person specifically about the safety of vaccines. And he makes some claims here that I, I have not heard before. Uh, and I thought we should address them. So... His first point is that in the original six-month trial data for the Pfizer vaccine, he claims that listed in that study, there was a 5% chance of serious injury. Now, I then pulled up that study because it's readily available on the internet, and I can find no evidence of this 5% chance of serious injury statistic within the data. I found... Uh, I found that there is a 1% or at least 1% of those in the trial had severe adverse reactions. However, 1% of those in the placebo group also, well, close to 1%, I think it was like 0.6. So 1% in the vaccine condition and 0.6 in the placebo condition all had severe adverse reactions, which should tell you one thing, which is that Sometimes people have adverse reactions, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine. Could be anything. Welcome to life. <laughs> this is why we do uh, studies. Someone 
today at my workplace was talking about how um, the difference between Pfizer and Moderna, and like I don't know if this is true. This might be another like just vaccine misinformation thing. Apparently, the vax Moderna like has the dye that's in like MRI stuff, which doesn't sound correct to me. Like saying it out loud, and that's like the thing that people are allergic to, and I'm allergic to that. I haven't gotten a Moderna vaccine, but like if I get it, I'll check in with you. Yeah, I. But I, also, yeah, it's just like people have reactions to things. Like, yeah. no, I know whoa. like you you can have allergic reactions to various like adjuvants in like vaccines. Yeah, but like because I know some of the flu vaccines uh, had egg in them, so if you have egg allergies, like yeah, these yeah, these things happen. I mean, but that's that's normal. But it's it's also like I don't know. Sometimes your body reacts weird to shit. Like. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, that's it, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, because, like, I wonder, like, in the placebo condition, like, they're not getting injected with, like, an actual substance. They're getting a saline solution or whatever the hell they're getting, right? But it's, like, it could be that simply getting the needle pricking them for whatever reason caused whatever weird reaction. Or it could just be that they suffered from something else and it just happened that it, like, corresponded to it, like, a day or two after they got the vaccine, you know? Who knows? Yeah. That's why we do these studies. <laughs> Stephen says, uh, continuing the the interview with Treya, that Omicron is mild, and says, thankfully, we're not seeing an increase in hospitalizations, ICUs, or death. And uh, I have to note, he's already been proven wrong a mere few days after mentioning this to Treya. So, we've broken records now. <laughs> Congratulations, Stephen Pellich. I'm glad you have tenure at your UBC job. I will say, I'm sad you were wrong. I, I definitely said. But you were very wrong. You were wrong. Drea then asks one of her surprisingly challenging questions. So we've noticed a trend, which is like every once in a while, Drea will ask a question which makes it very clear that she understands the criticisms to her viewpoints. <laughs> And yet continues to like live a Hold life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So she asks a critical question to Steve about Vera's data. So I'm gonna play her asking the question, and then we'll get some of uh Steve's response. I will pause periodically. It's a long clip to like add some additional information, but uh we're gonna listen to that clip now. Now, before I do that, you mentioned VARES and the adverse mm -hmm. reactions, which last I checked was, I, I want to say, 800,000 or, or... Yes, yes. I mean, the serious things was in terms of number of deaths. Mm -hmm. And some people are confused because the VARES system, you can have international reports as well as reports just from the United right. States. So we know within the United States, it's around 9,000 deaths that have been linked in the VARES system with COVID injections. So she's going to go on to further ask the question that I think is like, whoa, a really interesting question. For those, we've already mentioned this before on the podcast, but and most people should probably already know what this is, which is VARES is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reaction Database. And so anyone can sort of report to it a reaction that they have to a vaccine. That's what it's set up to do. Now, he mentioned there that there were 9,000 deaths that are linked to the vaccine in the VARES data. 
What he doesn't mention is that the CDC actually requires that healthcare workers provide report of any death after COVID vaccination, even if it is unclear whether the vaccine was the cause. And they are further clear to stipulate that this does not mean the vaccine caused a reaction or the death. So, out of 496 million doses of COVID given, he's wrong about 9,000, there has been 10,688 deaths that have been reported to VAERS automatically through the CDC system, which means the chance of death, if these numbers are accurate, after the vaccine is 0.0022%, which is far lower than COVID. However, that is even if those deaths are actually caused by the vaccine, which they're likely not. In fact, what they do with the VAERS data is they have people that then go back and like check in on the patients and like learn their history, etc., to sort of get a sense of what's going on here. And so far, out of all the data collected since COVID has begun, they've found only nine deaths that they can link to the vaccine or associate with the vaccine causally. And those are all people who died after getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and they died due to thrombosis, which is blood clots, okay? Oh, Johnson & Johnson, not AstraZeneca? Not AstraZeneca, because I think America shut it down. So this is American oh, data. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know if they ever approved it or whatever. Yeah. So that, that okay. number could differ in both UK and Canada, where AstraZeneca was available. But, uh, but yes, so now the question that Drea is going to ask him is common criticisms that have to do with theirs that then he will have to address. And I want to assess from you, Vieto, whether you think this is going to be or whether his response to Drea's question is sufficient. So here we go. I guess my question about that specifically was, what do you say to the people who say, oh, well, you know, it's not a secure system to track these things. Like anybody can just go on and, and make up things there. That's true. It is, there's a certain degree of self-reporting. However, the system goes back over 30 years. And so what we see is that with more than 70 other vaccines that have been covered during that 30-year period, in the last year, where we have the three vaccines that are in the U.S., they don't have the AstraZeneca. It was never approved in the U.S., uh, nor was it approved in about 12 European countries, but we have it in Canada. So just based on those three vaccines, we have more serious deaths, well, more deaths and more serious injury from just those three vaccines in the last year than all the other vaccines put together for the last 30 years. So are you convinced? <laughs> Did you feel like that was an answer to that question? What? First of all, no. And second of all, like to his actual response, what perhaps has changed in the past 30 years in terms of access to the possibility of reporting for like this sort of stuff? You know, like, hmm. I feel maybe... like something happened in the past two years. <laughs> well, but also not just the past two years, but also in terms of like, hmm, maybe there's this thing called the internet and reporting styles have changed and those sorts of things also where it's like, 
when you probably had to physically either had to call in or had to like fax or mail a like fake bullshit vaccine claim that's a lot harder than like filling out a form online or whatever as well so like that that right there is probably going to contribute regardless of the other thing that is the global pandemic and like a very like highly tracked and highly like publicized vaccine drive that we haven't really seen recently and not only that being publicized but like people's concern and worry about adverse reactions given the swiftness of the rollout of this vaccine etc right like it's like to to think that that didn't have an effect on the uh reporting to these vares databases is silly like <laughs> that and i think like our current drive to get everyone vaccinated against this pandemic is probably like and and the number of dosages given because it's not just yeah. one it's two like you're having way more people get vaccinated as well you know on top well, of all the other vaccine vaccines that we already have available that are still being reported right now yeah and like the other thing is in terms of like notable i guess vaccines like you know if you're getting the ones as a baby and then as a kid and like those sorts of things like those are pretty tried and true like we know a lot about them type of thing and like we know chances are like all of the allergens all of the like everything versus in the initial rollout of a vaccine i bet that there were a lot there was a lot more reporting going on for like all of those as well where it's like talking about how these things sort of work versus again the kind of like just more routine ones <sighs> but i don't know so all bullshit his next so he's now gonna like he's still talking and he's going to give what i think is like at least a step towards a better like in terms of logic <laughs> This might be a better angle to approach, but we will also assess whether he he lands this correctly or not. So I wonder if the first little bit he said here was his attempt to catch up of like, I got a bullshit, I got a bullshit, I got a bullshit. And now he arrived at something that he thinks actually addresses the question. So, you know, this idea of the self-reporting and that, you know, maybe it's anti-vaxxers that are populating these sites. And there are safeguards to within the Vera system itself to to reduce that kind of uh, abuse it's it's evident just just looking at the history of the virus system and a harvard study indicated that only about one to two percent of the total number of cases that are in the virus system is representative of what they think is actually happening so most people take those numbers in the virus system and they multiply by about 30. so if you have about nine thousand deaths you can multiply 30 we're talking about hundreds of thousands of deaths that are likely attributed to the vaccine in the United States alone. Did you feel like that answered the question? <laughs> no. <laughs> huh? He did. So this gets really like weird and, and absolutely absurd. But we did. So what did we get? We got there are mechanisms to stop false reporting. Now, this is the case. But from what I understand, and I could be wrong i'm not a scientist working on the vares data but like i've read some stuff 
The VARES reporting database usually determines veracity like downstream. So when I, for example, read to you the like 10,000 or so people who've died, and when they've gone back and checked, they've only like associated nine with like actually being causally related to the vaccine, right? Yeah. So they usually, it's a reporting system. So what do you do with a reporting system? You wait for all the information to come in and you take it all in and then you assess whether it's legit or not and make determinations. And so it's like him say, like he just sort of like, oh yeah, there's mechanisms to stop false reporting, but like sort of, but like will will it really prevent like a whole like bunch of stuff coming in, you know? I don't know. So then the other part of it, he says something, he goes like fewer than one to 2% of VAERS data is representative of what is actually happening. And he like mentions a Harvard study. Now I sort of figured out what study I think he's referring to because Drea had a video for this clip and in the video, she sort of like pops up a Harvard study and highlights uh, the section that I think he's trying to refer to. Now, in, okay. in that study, which actually wasn't a study, but a report, and it was a report that was released in 2007, they said 1% of the data is representative of what is actually happening and that a lot of stuff is being underreported. So again, this is not during a global pandemic. It's in 2007. uh, And I think, you know, I don't even know because it doesn't give a source. It doesn't cite any like explanation of where they got this 1% figure from. But it sort of makes sense when you think about like a lot of people back then, especially might not report things because you, you don't think to report it. They even mentioned that like uh, clinicians aren't aware of the VAERS reporting system. So they just don't think about it. And so when their patient has like uh, even just a minor reaction, they don't think about reporting it. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, it could be that like severe reactions are more likely to re- be reported than not. Anyways, interesting thing to look into, but why are we going back to 2007 to sort of like figure this out? But then he adds this like last point here, which is like, you can, he's like, most people just multiply the number by 30%. And therefore he concludes that even though it says 9,000 people died, you can somehow multiply that number by 30%. And therefore he concludes that hundreds of thousands of people have died from the vaccine. Okay, I can I cannot find this number anywhere. I like I I do not know what the fuck he's talking about, <laughs> and no one would I do just, this. What? Nobody's noticed. Well, you know, not only has no one noticed, what like you you can't just go. We don't know what the exact number is. Let's just multiply it by thirty percent. I don't even fully know what he means by multiply it by 30%. Yeah. (laughs) But then I'm like, if you go back to the deaths too, the deaths are automatically reported to the CDC. It's not (laughs) like, if anything, the death number is the more robust number than like severe adverse reactions, right? Because the deaths within a time frame automatically get reported to the CDC. Listen, Jody, you multiply 9,000 by 30%. Hundreds of thousands are dead. (laughs) Billions are dead. 
This guy. COVID nineteen vaccine has killed twenty billion people. This guy is a tenured professor at UBC in the Department of Medicine. <laughs> I Jesus, We're so fucked. Academia sucks. Yeah. So then he he ends with two medical claims that I just I had to finish with, which is one is that he says that mRNA vaccines will increase autoimmune disease. And he explains this because he says how the mRNA technology works. It, it, treat, it trains you to kill your own cells, which is so stupid. I almost feel like embarrassed having to explain it, which is that the mRNA vaccine uses your DNA to create proteins, which then your cells, like, attack the proteins, and, like, that's how you gain the immunity. But that's not yeah. attacking your own cells. That is attacking the proteins created by your own cells. That's not going to lead to autoimmune disease. No one thinks it will lead to autoimmune disease, and no autoimmune diseases have been associated with the fucking vaccine. <laughs> okay? And then... He's like, because of this, so he, this is like an extension of the thought. He said, like, these autoimmune diseases were getting a lot of inflammation. He then claims that somehow the inflammation might occur in the ovaries and therefore lead to infertility. And he used as an example these recent studies that are coming out that are showing that there's been uh, changes to menstrual cycles for some women who get the vaccine. And what they yeah. found was... Uh, or I should say menstrual cycles of people who get the vaccine, what they found is that it'll extend the duration of the menstrual cycle for a day. Which, and like people were freaking out about this, but like if you consider a lot of people take the pill and that changes their menstrual cycle as well. This is... <laughs> like, yeah, I mean like, I don't know, the people that I know who like had issues similar to that where it was like, way way heavier and then also like a couple days longer type of thing it might work out to an, a day on average but like not in the people that i knew type of thing um you know that's pretty shitty like that's really rough that is an adverse effect is it the worst possible adverse effect no is it as bad as getting covid also no will it lead to infertility absolutely not <laughs> No. <laughs> Did it last forever? No. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like, your body had a an immune response and thought it was sick, so it probably wanted to, like, make sure you, make extra sure you weren't pregnant for it. I don't know. Whatever. It sucks. Like. Yep. You know. But again. It, pain is no good. It's like you, you cherry pick these doctors and it's just like indicative of, uh, as we said, like our academic system that people like these somehow, I mean, like this is inevitable. You're always going to have like some, some amount of people within academia that should be qualified and have uh, some type of expertise has wacky opinions that they then bring those wacky opinions out when we're in a moment of crisis and get used by grifters who want to perpetuate their own grift. So we're, we're screwed is what I was saying. <laughs> there's going to be an endless stream of people that they can always go to and go like, look at this doctor. When, which is why uh, 
has been reiterated over and over again, which is like we need to look at the consensus of the medical opinion and not just a few doctors. Uh, the same thing can be said for the recent, uh, they initially were not going to reopen schools or they were going to reopen schools before they backtracked on that. And one of the reasons, which even, uh, I think his name is Moore, the, the health minister of Ontario, whatever, he came out saying that like there was this letter written with 500 doctors on it and he took that into consideration or at least was grateful that they wrote the letter to him and the letter was to keep the schools open. But like these doctors were just 500 random doctors in fields completely unrelated to epidemiology or virology or mental health for that matter, since they always use the excuse of like mental health. So it's like if you need 500 doctors to sign a petition to then push your bullshit ideas on the Ford administration, it can happen. And that is uh, terrifying. Uh, so, you know. Be be a little bit more critical when you're hearing individual doctors make uh, bogus claims. And when you hear like 500 doctors sign this letter, be a little bit critical. Look into that a little bit. So that's that's all I got to say to that. I will say the reason why I mean, we went a bit long, but this is the nature of the show now. We're just going to we're just going to roll with it. And uh, it'll probably be shorter in future weeks, but uh, we're testing things out. This could have been longer, but there was a day that had no content. In fact, what they did was they they reposted their Thursday show on their Friday show. And then it's still like the description of the Friday show is for a show that I cannot listen to because the Thursday audio is there. <laughs> but oh at least they even interviewed someone. So they interviewed someone named Samuel Say, who's apparently a black conservative blogger. But I don't know what they talked about. <laughs> so I wonder if they're gonna release that at some point. Like I checked periodically for the last few days, thinking yeah. that they would update it and then I would have something to say. But as of today, it has still not been fixed. So this day is gonna be <laughs> stored in the memory banks and completely forgotten. God. One day we're just gonna start talking about like january 7th 2022 episode and just like <laughs> it'll be you know march or april or maybe they'll just like post it on a day when like one of them are are busy or something like that and be like oh yeah we forgot to upload this one accidentally it's been hiding in the archives ever since or whatever <laughs> uh yeah i hope i hope that doesn't happen because i i was looking at this dude's blog and i really don't want to hear what he has to say <laughs> Bearskin Lake First Nation um, in Northern Ontario could use some donations because uh, roughly 50% of the honor reserve population has been infected with COVID. Uh, the military has been deployed to assist um, and they need money to buy things like basic supplies because I also believe that they don't have clean water. Um, so they're pretty reliant on water distribution uh, through like one gallon type water bottles and stuff like that. Uh, so they're asking, are they raising money through a GoFundMe? Um, 
So if you have some spare funds, send it their way because uh, shit looks real bad there. Um, yeah, and then uh, have an article as well uh, by Mike Goldhawk um, called Head Hits, Head Hits Concrete, written in Midnight Sun magazine, which is just like a cool magazine overall. You should read it. Um, that is um, about the possible uses of Marx's theory of value for um, understanding and then also changing our current social conditions, um, including like, you know, the pandemic, ecological crisis, the state of like everything in this country that we currently call Canada and hopefully will no longer call Canada someday soon. Um, yeah, and it's just like a little, it's a nice little intro to Marx's theory of value uh, with some good references to other like possible works. Um, particularly, it like has a uh, link to some stuff by um, Howard Adams, who is a like really under-recognized uh, Métis Marxist scholar um who was he's been dead for a while but yeah just a good article about value and um social relations under capitalism and we talked about it yesterday on stream so yeah and we read it on stream yesterday and it'll probably be uploaded to youtube at some point if you don't feel like reading an article with your actual eyes and want to read it with your ears instead and if you support and enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 8 PM Eastern standard time. You can find clips of those streams at youtube.com slash imperial news podcast. And you can find all the links in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And Danish preprint studies, you canceled. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.